Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Meg. I'm compulsive overeater. And um, I hope this will be useful. I'm a little nervous because you matter. <laughs> I like to get it right. Um, I'm going to talk about the doctor's opinion. Um, and I, of course, want to qualify it by saying this is my interpretation of Silkworth's ideas and uh, what doctor, doctor's opinion was supposed to be about or what it was about for me. But I'm 40 years in program. I'm... <clears throat> I'm currently about 70 pounds down from where I started. And I have uh, kept that off for most of, most of the 40 years, maybe 30 of them. <laughs> I have no perfect story in any manner ever, um, period. And I, um, but once I got here, before I was 20, I knew, um, there was nowhere else to go. I never, I actually never even dieted. I fasted occasionally. I never even bothered to diet because I knew there was everything about the doctor's opinion was accurate. And as soon as I read it, now here's as soon as I read it, I was like 40 years in, maybe 38 years in before. I know I'd read it because I'd gone through the big book and checked every page like over and over and over. I've had so many sponsors and I've done this step so many times. So I've really looked at this book a lot, but there's a way of looking at it. And then there's another way of looking at it. So it changes every decade. And um, I'd never really read it. So as I understand the doctor's opinion, it describes a twofold illness, the dilemma that we're in. One is an allergy to the body. And that really wouldn't be a problem. And it wasn't a problem for me. Like I would fast. If you fast, your hypothalamus shuts off, the food gets off your back, you're not ingesting anything you're allergic to, so you just, I just didn't eat. I fasted for three, almost four months with just some, whatever the doctor gave me in a little jar or whatever, like no problem, I didn't eat an apple during that period of time. Willpower is not my problem, right? So I really could have enormous results and, and I really enjoyed it because I just didn't have to fight the food if I didn't ingest anything I was allergic to. So I understood that right away, that the Weight Watchers things that they gave you for dessert, I ate before I got home, you know, like all of them. So like those things never worked. Um, and uh, if I could stay stopped, that wouldn't be a problem, but you can't stay stopped with food, you have to eat. And then um, even if it's not food, you the mind goes off. So. What Silkworth had to say in 1934 um, was that there's an allergy of the body. And as I understand it, I've done some research, but allergy, like um, not the anaphylactic, you know, we're not talking that, we're not talking all the other illnesses that go with like wheat or et cetera, but just an abnormal reaction, an abnormal reaction. So for me, if I ingest certain things, I have an abnormal reaction, which is that I just keep eating them and I really keep eating them, I can't not eat them. Um, twofold illness, can't stop. So the action of alcohol on the alcoholic is an allergic reaction. It produces a phenomenon of craving. It can never be used safely if you have that allergy of the body. 
And then he goes on to say that alcoholics eat because we are restless, irritable, and discontented. And we want the ease and comfort that comes immediately following ingesting our substance again. So restless, irritable, and discontented. It's, I wanna say what's hard, hard for me to tell which came first, the being miserable behind overeating or that I was really miserable and I needed something to comfort me. And in fact, I'm not sure I was even miserable. I just couldn't stop eating the cereal or the, you know, the milk, whichever ran out first is that was the only delineation of when I would stop eating Cocoa Krispies. It was like, I just, you know, one of the other would run out and then I would have to stop that particular food. And I was with other people who just had a bowl and I didn't understand that. And it didn't, it didn't really matter. I sort of noticed it was odd, but it didn't, you know, I was four years old, but I know. So <clears throat> when you stop, how do you stay stopped? This is the problem of the obsession of the mind. Without help, we repeat over and over and over. <laughs> it just is what we do. Um, unless this person, he states, unless the person can have an entire psychic change, there's little hope of their recovery. And in Silkwick's opinion, it says that, you know, one feels that something more than the human power is needed to produce the essential psychic change. And he says that there's just a few simple rules that need to be followed. The only effort necessary being that required to follow these few simple rules. So I can't stop eating chocolate, sugar, pizza, bread, you know, I could go on. Um, powerless if I begin, period. So I would diet, I would fast, and then all these people would say to me, God, you look like a different person. And it would really bother me because I wasn't a different person. <laughs> I was the same person. They just didn't comment when I was overweight. And so I um, also knew I could never maintain it. So it was never um, of comfort to me that they were aghast at how I had used to look. So they were commenting on how I currently looked. And it, I just really just wanted to like, scream when people would say that. I just didn't like it and never found it. People like people who like think, oh, I lost weight. I want to tell people. I'm like, God, I never told anybody because like the next minute it was going to go south, you know. Um, I knew I could never hang on to it. And that was even after being in OA for a very long time. I had that enough. I called myself the relapse queen for a really long time. I think the doctor's opinion really, really affected me because when I finally got to it um, with another group and another sponsor and another round of attempting another layer of this me, um, it just told my story. It's like why I couldn't stay stopped, why I couldn't stay stopped. And that was just really, really helpful to me. I'm trying with notes. I'm not very good with notes. So, if I can't stay stopped without an entire psychic change, sorry, what, that's one. What does that mean? 
What does that mean? And so for me, it meant, well, somebody said, I can't stop eating. So I have to become somebody who doesn't want to overeat. Like if I can't stop eating, I'm dead. I'm dead in the water. But if there's an option of becoming somebody who doesn't want to overeat, well, that's an option, right? So that's an entire psychic change. So I had to become somebody who didn't want to destroy myself with food. Um, I have a lot of trouble when in the meeting, often the meetings start with saying it's weakness, not strength that binds us together. And I just don't really go with the word weakness. Powerless is a really different word to me than weakness. Like I'm not weak. <laughs> I can, I, I am not weak. I am very powerful. I do a lot of things that are extremely powerful, right? So I um, I have a big impact. I'm not like a small entity in the world. I don't know any of us that are. But um, powerless is a really different concept. And I have studied so many different, um, as we all have, right? You know, but, you know, this religion or that practice or this therapy, God knows, and so many different things. So it is not a, a, a weakness. Powerlessness is actually in many of the, the spiritual leaders of the existence that I've ever read about, they really talk about seeking powerlessness to be, to be one under, to be one under, just not to be the star. I mean, I'm so leery. Um, and we ought to be leery, I think, of using any word that would turn anybody off to anything. So the God word becomes very tricky. Certainly, Silkworth says, you know, find God or you're in trouble. But they try to be broad about it. I think I'm um, being broad about it is, of course, a very genius idea, because even though I'm one of those people who, who grew up in a certain place with a certain building and I went in there and my dad was there and I was on my knees and we did this stuff. And like, I have a very deep, wonderful feeling about the times I've spent near my family who I loved and trying to work and find God, um, whatever God would be. And I, I've had tons of spiritual experiences, which is part of what I want to talk about. But when I look, sometimes there's nothing there. I mean, zero, like, hello, like there's a brownie or there's God, forget it. You know, like there's no competition. So there isn't much to say about uh, most eloquent best speakers I ever hear talk, just say, if you think you know God, like, really? Like, like who could know God? You're a human being, like whatever that is. And then I, Titnot Hans, my guy, you know, I've been listening to him for 20 years, tell me, just take a breath, Meg. Could you just take a breath? Just hold still in one minute and just see if you could bring your mind and your body into one place for one minute. And that would be really cool. And there's no deity there. So like for what half the people of the planet, there's no deity, but there's a practice. There's a spiritual want, there's a development. <clears throat> so it says um, to me, only when I realize I'm powerless does relief really hit me. And that's a real realization. You know, I was telling my friend Jack 
you know, 38 years ago. Why would I give up just desserts, chocolate cake? There's nothing in the world better than just desserts, chocolate. I hate everything. I weigh 200 pounds. I have purple sweats on. I've been painting my house for like four years, the same white. I mean, I can't get the color right. I can't get the house right. I hate everything in my $300 Marina, almost Bayview apartment, you know, on Octavian Filbert. Okay. Like, and I was miserable for $287 a month. Um, purple sweats and, and standing on a ladder and trying to marry a gay man. I mean, like, okay, okay, Meg, okay. <laughs> the insanity was so deep. And he just said to me, Meg, you can't eat, you can't stop eating chocolate cake. Like, as soon as he said it, it was like, oh, you're right. Oh, I can't stop eating chocolate cake. And it just like, it was just one of those moments where it just was lifted. Like, of course you can't, you're addicted. You know, like it was just so blatantly obvious that I was having this discussion about what I was supposed to do or not do. And I had no option whatsoever. If I picked up, I was going to eat it and I was going to eat it every day. Um, and uh, that was very useful. So I don't put my hand on a hot flame either. You know, like when I know I'm powerless, then there's really not a, it's not a discussion, right? I don't walk in the kitchen, turn on the, the gas stove and put my hand on it. I just don't do it, right? Pretty simple. So doctor's opinion, there's an allergy of the body. How did I work with that? I worked with it with a food plan, right? A food plan. I mean, I think for me, fasting was so totally brilliant because it eliminated the craving, which craving is my problem. You know, like if I didn't have a craving, um, I wouldn't have a problem. I remember this one person who was absolutely not one of us. And I think I was talking to the, her. I don't know if I heard about it or I watched it. I don't know what happened, but I think I was speaking with this person. Memory's gone, 61, you know, sorry. But she, uh, she was just a normal thin person. And she said, you know, if I had to stop eating before I was finished, that'd be really hard for me. And it was the most empathetic thing. It's like for her, there was finished. Her body registered full and she just stopped eating, right? But for me, it's like, as soon as I get to full, I just want to go the little extra bit. And as soon as I get to a certain extra bit, it's all bets are off. And it's like, there is no end. There's absolutely no stop. There's no point at which there's a sense of satiation. In fact, it gets worse and worse and worse when I cross the line. So for me, I waited, measured for decades. Um, I, you know, I throw my food on a scale every now and then I pretty much can nail an ounce and a half or three ounces or one ounce. Like I really do know what a portion is after 40 years. So I started on gray sheet. Everyone has a real, you know, offense to gray sheet these days. Like, and I find that very offensive because I thought what gray sheet gave the hundreds of us who were in the rooms at the time was a starting point where we weren't actually in the food. We were so not in the food, the food was lifted and there was a, is that 10? That's a, that's the next third. Then you have six, six left. Six left, okay, better hurry up. So alcoholic foods, you can have a food plan. You can put down food completely. You can put down your alcoholic foods. That's Meg's experience, right? I can't put down, and quantities is another big issue. And is it easy? No, do I do it perfectly? No, am I really even that good at it? I'm better. I'm better after 40 years than I used to be, but I'm not one of those people who does that thing that never shifts. Not one of those people, never been anything like them. Um, so the people that I trusted a lot that really helped me on, you know, my 
30th round of all this, doing it from scratch sort of thing. Um, get a food plan, figure out what your alcoholic foods are and don't eat any of them, then you're clean. And then what they said is work the steps really fast. This is another OA problem I have a big problem with is if you don't work the steps really fast, you've put down the thing that sustains you and you have not had a psychic change. So if you don't do the steps, then you don't get to the psychic change. Psychic change. And so you have to just go like hell. Like I want people to get through the steps immediately. <laughs> the kids that wrote the book, okay, they did them in three days, right? You know, like Bob was really late in doing his uh, fifth step because, you know, it took them a few weeks or something. You know what I mean? Like if you read it carefully, like they got on their knees in the hospital bed, they were through step three, they wrote down on a napkin beside the bed, you know, all their problems and who they screwed, they weren't supposed to screw. And then they got in the car, the station wagon with the little wood paneling on the side, they drove around town, they apologized to everybody and poof, you know, like they were done. And they just like moved on. There's a 10th step, right? I mean, there's plenty more to do. People who walk around with a book of uh, their fourth step and are binging, I'm like, oh, what a surprise. You know, like if you try to carry around that stuff in a binder, like really? Okay, I don't think so. So an entire psychic change, which leaves us safe and protected. These are the promises, right? The problem has been removed. We, we cease fighting anything and anyone. Sanity has returned. Um, spiritual experience. He talks about, they talk about William James. I guess the variety of... Uh, Religious experience is the only book or text mentioned in the big book. I was Googling this last night, but it seems to me that if you read about the early, the early founders, they were in that station wagon every night after their meetings and they were going somewhere to hear some spiritual practice. And so I really do respect our rules that we don't talk about outside things. I sort of respect that I obviously mentioned a few, but the point being um, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't respect that rule. You know, they didn't want to offend people or chase anybody away, but they were investigating all the time. Carl Jung, okay, hello. Like Carl Jung is a mystic. I mean, he's like a wild ass, crazy, wonderful guy. And um, they just kept studying and he's, he's listed in the book. He's like talking. It's not like they weren't seeking outside sources. So keep seeking. Um, I wanna talk about spiritual experiences and what I love the most, okay? I've had the kind of, you know, I'm gonna think I'm drowning um, in a Sierra Lake and I didn't drown. I could name a lot of um, girl adolescent things that happened. There's lots of different spiritual experiences. I think that, I just think we don't name them. The other day I was listening to a fellow on the phone and I was in my kitchen and they were just talking about just this basic, normal, wonderful thing that had just happened to them. And I'm like, do you get that? Do you get that that is a spiritual awakening? Do you get how different that is than being mad at yourself and furious and agitated and irritated and hating your partner and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's so different. I was writing down um, my spiritual experiences, just being present, um, conscious, having my breath behaving differently, seeing the world differently, decreasing my judgments. I can actually wish for peace. I can try to hear other people's opinions. I'm faster to awareness when I do overdo. And then 
I very much, I less frequently blame someone else. <laughs> and I certainly don't blame people for appreciating me. I can take in all kinds of good wonders that used to, used to bother me. I was saying that I'm just having breakfast with my adult children um, and not wanting to correct them, not wanting to input, not wanting to alter, not wanting to like do that thing that I, you know, am so prone to do with my Al-Anon being the only way anybody can stay abstinence is to go to Al-Anon. That's what one of my friends said to me. <laughs> the only way to stay abstinent is go to Al-Anon because it's about the people, right? The people are what make you eat unless you put the chocolate in your mouth and that's its own entity. So I think that um, I did do this. I'll show you, can you see my paper? There are four pages, three pages. If you Google the promises of the program, they actually print right out. There's not just the 12 step promises, there's promises at each step. They're really cool, interesting, wonderful things to put on your refrigerator or your mirror or all the places that I've posted, all the things I've all of my life. I write things down. I think about things. I, I do things differently. I'm in love with my partner. Like, like that couldn't have happened if I, I didn't grow, if I couldn't appreciate, if I didn't want somebody to be their own human being, but rather be my boost in the world or my caretaker or my, all the reasons I married him. Um, but that was 30 years ago and uh, it, I picked pretty carefully because I had already been in program 10 years and I was really clear that I watched how many beers he drank and he drank one, one and a half. He didn't really care if he finished it. I was like so conscious of trying. Thanks. And so I, uh, I did pretty well and we worked our asses off for the next, uh, still doing it 30 years. So that's a miracle and the miracles just keep happening. I hope we can all name the spiritual experiences faster. And, and just the little things. And I really appreciate talking with you all. Thanks.